Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. We've been talking about kingdom for a few weeks now. And when we talk, when we refer to the kingdom of God, what we're saying is the kingdom of God is really the focus is not on a particular location, although we know that there's a king of heaven, that term sometimes used for what we'd refer to as the headquarters or God's uh, throne. But when we look at the kingdom of God, it refers to so much more than that. The kingdom of God basically is anywhere where God's principles, where his authority is observed and practiced, wherever that is. When you let that happen in your mind, when you allow that to be expressed in your life to affect the people around you, then the kingdom of God spreads and it grows. And Jesus talks so much about the kingdom of God. It's so important for us to understand. So we just need to understand it so much better. What God wants to speak to us through becoming, in the fact that we are members of that kingdom. Now, you, uh, the doorway to that uh, kingdom is, of course, the cross. It starts right there. Uh, that's the access, the entrance. Once, uh, once you come to know him as Savior, then you become a citizen in the kingdom of God. And Christ came to reclaim what was lost through the sinfulness of man. He, claimed to reclaim, he came to reclaim that and to announce God's rule and reign. And God wants to do that through you and me. Jesus came to restore the kingdom. He said in Luke chapter 12, verse 32... Do not be afraid, little flock, speaking of believers, his family. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It pleases the father to give you the kingdom. For you to understand and live in, experience and demonstrate the kingdom of God in your life. We're citizens of the kingdom. We're in this world, but we're not really of it. We live by a different set of principles and values and priorities. We are ambassadors representing the king in this land. We are called to advance the kingdom of God wherever we are. And when we pray, we say, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Learning to live by kingdom principles, the kingdom lifestyle, uh, will absolutely change our lives. It brings in many respects, it brings heaven down to earth. So today we're talking about kingdom thinking or how to develop a kingdom mindset. And I think this is uh, such an important word for us to hear today. You know, um, you've heard the phrase that the, that the mind is a wonderful thing, don't waste it. And it absolutely is true. Heard, uh, you know, anyone ever ask you the question, have you lost your mind? We say, well, that's just all in your mind. What were you thinking? Thoughts are extremely important. You know, the ability to think is one of God's greatest gifts that he's given to us. Imagine. And it is extremely important because Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 tells us, it says, for as a man or for as, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, so are you. Now, I know in the particular uh, this particular verse is, is uh, uh, couched with, a, with the, uh, uh, a few verses before and after and, and, and where it's saying, you know, there may be some people that pretend to be a certain way. 
but they're really not that way. They may pretend to say something, pretend to welcome you, pretend to, to uh, they express things, but it's not real. And that's couched right in there where it says, you know, they may say something, but it's not real, but as a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. It's not always the outward show. It's as a man thinks in his heart, and the heart is that seat of of the will and the emotion, that inner person. And the Bible says that you think in this heart, then that's who you are. It changes your life. The mind is, is like the control tower for our lives. Your thoughts can control you. You know, the truth is that our thoughts affect our perception of God, our perception of ourselves, and our perception of situations going around us. And you know, unseen or invisible thoughts produce visible consequences. You've heard the, this little phrase before, I'm sure, but it's so powerful. It says, if you sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an action, you reap a habit. A habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. And sow a character, you reap a destiny. And it all starts with a thought. Your mindset has a great deal to do with your health. The truth is, you can be negative, stressed out, and it'll affect you physically. You can dwell on certain things in your mind, and it'll drag you down. It'll drain you. Or you can think on the goodness of God, on His healing and provision, all these wonderful things, and you know it actually will bless you physically. You know the wrong thoughts can raise your blood pressure? It can affect you, even bring sickness and disease into your life. Thoughts are powerful, are, are extremely powerful. Now, understand that even though the human mind is such an amazing thing, and thoughts are extremely important and affect us, affect us in so many different ways, our thinking does, I'm talking about more than just positive thinking. The 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 teaching of positive thinking that basically surfaced uh, actually about a generation ago surfaced on, in the church scene has some very good aspects to it, some great truths. The problem is, is that the teaching on positive thinking, positive thinking became more of a um, humanistic type teaching. No matter who you are, if you'll just think, if you'll just think nicer thoughts, if you'll just think good things, then good things will happen to you. Well, now, your thoughts, whether you're a believer or not, will affect your life. That's absolutely true. But for the Christian, it goes deeper than just having positive thoughts. It's having those positive th thoughts that align with the Word of God. So it's not just out here thinking nice things. It's saying, I'm thinking these things because these positive thoughts are based upon truth. They're based upon the Word of God. This goes a lot deeper than just the mind. And it has such power in our lives. Something we need to get hold of, folks. It can affect us in so many ways. It, in Isaiah 26.3, it makes this amazing verse. It says that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, whose mind is stayed on you. Lord, you'll keep my mind at perfect peace, my life, my heart at perfect peace if I'll keep my mind on you. Powerful. The human mind 
has the ability to impact your body in positive and negative ways. It will affect you uh, relationally, emotionally. And if you and I change our thought patterns, our attitude, then it will begin to transform our lives. Did you know you can think your way into a mess? Or you can think your way into a place of victory. But the mind is one of the hardest areas for us to get under control and keep it that way. So I want to point out four things this morning concerning kingdom thinking. and Developing a kingdom mindset. The first is you've got to start with the new you. It seems that no matter what we're teaching, this is where we start. It starts with a new you. You can, try to, you can try to think better thoughts. You can try to control your mind better, but, but it is uh, useless unless you first of all understand that it requires a relationship with Jesus Christ. There has to be a heart change for you to have the potential to do that. So kingdom thinking has to start with a new you. The pathway to controlling our thoughts begins with a relationship in Jesus Christ. You see, we were saved. When, when you were saved, a change took place. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, that if or since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Since you were raised with him, when you were saved, that change took place. You were raised up with Christ. You see, when you came to Christ, you... Uh, you, you had a new position. You've moved from one kingdom to another. The new birth gave you eternal perspective, not just this life. Knowing that through Christ you have an eternal home. You begin to see things differently when you come to Christ. The Bible talks about having the mind of Christ. It's always been interesting to me that one verse says, you have the mind of Christ. Paul says both of these things. You have the mind of Christ. In another verse, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm saying, what? what? It, all, it says I, I have the mind of Christ, and it says I should let that mind of Christ. So when we see the flavoring or the color that goes with this, when it says you have the mind of Christ, it's saying you understand that God has given you understanding of, of, of your purpose. He's given you an understanding of, of the fact that your life amounts to more than just this life. You think those thoughts that are greater than just the temporal. But when it says, let this mind be in you, it's more of, uh, of, a, it's more of saying, have the same attitude that Christ has. Have the same humility. Have the same love and compassion. Have the same mercy. And of course, that doesn't start till you come to Christ. You may try to be good. <laughs> You may try to do the right things, but it starts when we have an encounter with God. We receive Christ as Savior, and He changes our life. We're in a new position in Christ. The thing is that even though we're in a new position, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. There is this situation that's still there. Our life can still be colored by past experiences. By feelings that we experienced, by how people treated us, by how we were brought up. You were saved, changed, immediately new, born again, born from above. All absolutely true. 
But there's still an aspect of your life that still remains, in some ways we would say, unsaved, if you understand what I'm saying. That needs to be changed. Salvation changes our lives, but it doesn't instantaneously change how we think. Now, in many cases, I've seen people come to Christ, know Him, and, and in many ways it did change their whole outlook on life. But I dare say in most cases, once you've come to Christ and He's changed your heart, you've got some growing to do. You and I have some growing to do. We still need some change. How many of you still need change in your life? How many of you still need to be more like Christ? How many of you still need to be working on your thoughts and your thinking, your mindset? Well, we're in the right place then. So important for us to get this down inside of us. God desires for us to have a new way of thinking once he's given us a new life. So the second thing is, to have kingdom thinking, it requires the renewing of your mind. I can't say this too much. To have kingdom thinking, it's going to require a renewing of your mind. You see, the battle's, in, the battle's in the mind. Satan wages warfare with doubts and fears and worldly thoughts. He tries to keep you from focusing on what really matters and focusing upon the ability and the promises of God and, the, and to hold you back to looking at your circumstances. I, in some ways, I think we could describe that as when you came to Christ, you were saved, but you were not converted. Now, I understand it's all semantics as far as, as uh, vocabulary and the definition. When we say, con we usually associate conversion with when you come to Christ. You were converted from the old ways, and you, that, that aspect is true. But when we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, very familiar passage. Look at this with me. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, since God, when you see how much God has blessed you and how great His mercy is, how, how, can, you but, how, how can you but offer? When you see this, you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable service or true and proper worship. Verse Two, a New Living Translation says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. And if you do, if you do that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's a good thing. The message paraphrase says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So it has to be a, a, a shaping of, of our thought processes. Don't conform to the old, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This comes through the Word of God. This comes through your relationship, your communion with the Lord. Your mind is renewed. You see, there are believers that still need to change their mindset and change their way of thinking. Although they're children of, of God by faith, they're still caught up in the pig pen. And, and as far as their thinking, still kind of over in the pig pen mentality. You remember the prodigal son. 
He rebelled, left his father, took the wealth, his inheritance with him, went away, fell into sin, squandered all that he had, found himself in extreme poverty, and finally the scripture says he came to himself. I'm so thankful for those come to yourself moments in life. Just something goes off inside and says, oh, I need, to, I need to change. Something needs to happen here. This is not good. You know, that's the beginning of the solution to your problem is when you have that kind of moment. It says, well, I don't need to stay here. There's somewhere else I need to be. However, the prodigal son said, I'll tell you what I'll do. You know, he realized his sin. He realized what he had done to his father. He said, I'll just go back. He said, but I'll go back and I asked my father, I'll just come and ask to be one of his servants. I'll just work for him, be one of his servants. And he thought that was really a good idea. You see, he kind of worked up in his head. When I get to the father, this is what I'm going to say. I really, dad, I really blew it. I messed up. I am so sorry. My life is a mess. Just let me come back and be a servant here. And he expected probably from the goodness of his father, from being brought up with him, that that was a real possibility. He had a pig pen mentality, a servant mentality. But as he approached the father, the father ran toward him because the father was watching for the return. The father ran toward him, embraced him, put shoes on his feet, put the signet ring identifying him as a part of the family again, authority, it was a symbol of authority. The prodigal son didn't even have time to get his plan out of his mouth because the father said, no, I've got other plans for you. You were my son. You were dead, but now you're alive. You are a part of this family. And so he came back with this mentality to serve. And through the blessing of the father, his mentality was changed from a slave pig pen mentality to a, to a place of kingship and authority, living in a place of royalty. You understand, and this is not, some, it's not something for us to be prideful about because it's all through him, but you understand that you are royalty. Do you understand that? You're royalty. You are a royal people because you've been brought back to be a member of the family of the king, son and daughter of the king, and a citizen of that kingdom. But we stay over in that, I can't, I, I don't deserve it, I've really messed up. We stay over in that mindset rather than stepping forward and saying, God, through your mercy and through your grace, you have something so much better, so much more for me. I'm going to, I'm going to accept that. I'm going to accept that, and I'm going to walk in that. And you begin to change your whole outlook on what? You change your whole mindset on what your father is like, who he is, and you change your whole mindset as to who you really are. So many people sit in, are seated in, church buildings and congregations today that still have this mentality that limits them so much and, that, and they're missing, they're, they don't seem to have the ability to see what God has done, what God has made them, what, how God has changed them. Oh, if we could just get that inside of us.
You know, it is possible to be a person that's saved but not converted in a sense. Salvation takes place instantly because there's a spiritual transaction in which your sins are forgiven and you're, did, did we answer that? Is it going to get, <laughs> cleansed by the blood of Jesus as we trust him in faith. Conversions takes time as we learn how to think. Now get this, once you're converted and made a new person, the conversion of your mind, mindset, takes time as you learn to think, as you learn to live and act like children of God. So you got to renew your mind. It takes effort. The third thing is that it must be intentional. If you're going to develop a kingdom mindset and start thinking kingdom thoughts, then you have choices to make. You have to be intentional about it. Do it on purpose. Starts with filling your mind with the right kind of stuff. Have you ever, have you ever had a particular song or tune that you hear or that you sing get stuck in your mind? Maybe even you don't want it to. And usually it can be ridiculous. Just some stupid thing. Sometimes you get in your mind, you find yourself walking along humming it or whistling. And you know, you know why that happened? Is because you invited that thought. You embraced it. And when you embraced it, it began to express itself through you. Uh, that's what happens when we allow things to attach to us. Now, you know, we have a choice. There are fleeting of thoughts and there's a mindset. When you're living in this world, you're going to have fleeting thoughts and all of them might not be holy thoughts. The devil hit you with something just like that or you'll see something hit you. Fleeting thoughts. But once that happens, you and I have to do something intentional on purpose. You know what that is? We have to choose whether to resist it, reject it, or to invite it in and embrace it. The miracle was uh, performed, I, I think it's the one where um, the lame man was, was let down through the roof of the house there uh, to be healed, for Jesus to heal. And Jesus looked over at the religious group, the crowd there, and he said, uh, he made an interesting statement. He said, uh, why do you enter entertain evil thoughts? You see, he healed them. He healed this man, but it didn't go along with their teaching and their theology. It was the wrong time, the wrong way. And he knew that's what they were thinking. And so he said, why are you entertaining evil thoughts? You know what evil thoughts was? Anything that expressed itself in pride against God's will. And that's what they were doing. We, we have a sense of just kind of, uh, of shoving or ushering God out of the picture, taking our focus off of him. And, and that's what the Bible calls evil thoughts. Be intentional. Fill your mind with the right kind of stuff, which is the Word of God. It's, it starts with the Scripture, certainly. Fill your mind with the Word of God. And this can be through reading, studying the Scripture. This can be through listening uh, uh, on a media device. This can be through coming and being a part of a worship teaching gathering. This can be as you're worshiping and praying, you open yourself up to the Word of God being deposited down within you. And when you get that down inside of you and you embrace it, it becomes, it changes your thinking. 
and, when it, and actually it prepares you for what you may face. You understand if you go ahead and do that, if some people would go ahead and do that, they would be able to go, they would be prepared for decisions that are, they're going to, that they're going to have to make in the future. If you already know what your th thought process is, if you already know what you're going to do in a situation, you have gotten to a place to where you can overcome temptation. Make up your mind to do what's right already. Let that be your mindset. Then when it comes against you, then you just do what's in your mind, what's in your heart. Sounds simple. It's really not that complicated, but we have to be intentional about it. A mindset's not just fleeting thoughts. A mindset is a pattern of thinking that we allow to be developed in us. It's our attitude. It's the way we start thinking about certain things. You know, a lot of people have a religious mindset. It's difficult for a person with a religious mindset. It's, it's, it's difficult for most people who have a religious mindset to really receive all that God has for them. And it's difficult for them to be humble. There's all kinds of mindsets you can have. But what that really is is a pattern to where this is just the kind of the way you think. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 through 4, it says, set your mind. And, and that, that is the, the verb there is, 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 is in a continual sense. It says, set your mind continually on things above or keep seeking things above. Keep doing it every day. Keep doing it. Not on the earthly things. It says, the reason you do this for you... You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Hebrews 3.1 says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. You know, that says, you set your mind. There are times when in our prayer lives, we, we ask God to do things that he's already told us to do. Oh God, set my mind on things above. Now he'll help you. Holy Spirit will help you. He will help you. But it says you intentionally set your mind on things above. You, on purpose, make a decision to fix your eyes on Jesus. It's again back over there and we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make with it. We can choose what we think about. I just can't help it. You can choose what you dwell on and what you think about. Because Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and 9 says, And now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing Paul says. It was important. He said, Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let me say that. Let me read that in Amplified Bible. It's a little more wordy, but it's good. It says, Whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, Paul says, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. 
He says, look, intentionally think on these things. Which means we also have to take captive those thoughts that are the wrong thoughts. We have control over wrong thoughts. We have the ability to choose right thoughts. We have control over wrong thoughts. Thank God he helps us with it, right? We're not left just out there by ourselves to do it, but, but we are responsible. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, but mighty into God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If a negative thought comes into your mind, you can cast it down. Something contrary to the word of God comes against you, you can cast it down. As you renew your mind in the right stuff, you can take captive the wrong stuff. So very important for us to get this, folks. So very important. When a thought comes into your mind, what are you going to do? Accept it or resist it? Wrestle with it, entertain it, express it, control it. We have to do it intentionally, intentionally. And you know, sometimes we just have to remind ourselves. Remind ourselves. Sometimes you may just have to talk to yourself. Be careful where you are when you do that. But sometimes when these things are happening, you've got to... It'll help you to say out loud what you know to be truth. It'll help you to say out loud what God's already told you. It'll help you. Say it. When you say it, you'll hear yourself say it. And when you hear yourself say it, it gets down on the inside. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When you hear the Word, it strengthens you. When you hear it. It didn't say when you read it. It said when you hear it. So silent, reading and studying is fine, good. God can do some wonderful things. He can teach you. You can grow. But sometimes it's just good to say it and hear yourself say it. So talk to yourself. Remind yourself, man, I don't think like that. I'm not going to get caught over here in, in, a, in griping and complaining about things. I'm not, I'm not going to get caught over here being negative toward my wife and my family. I'm not going to allow these, these thoughts to enter in my mind. These temptations that come against me, and that, that I face every day at work or at school and I begin to drift over into the wrong thought patterns, I will not let them have a foothold in my life because this is who I am in Christ. This is what he says about me. This is what he, his word says about the ability to think and line up my thoughts with him. So Lord, right now, I'm gonna think on these things and you begin to think on the things that you are to think on. Turn it around. Turn it around before it gets hold of you. It'll help you. It'll help me. It'll help all of us to learn to do that and consistent, consistently. And the final thing is kingdom thinking will help you take the limits off God. That's a strange term, isn't it? To think that you and I could limit God. Some people consider that almost sacrilegious and irreverent. How dare you say that you could limit an almighty God? Well, that's just how he made us. That's how he created us as his children to be free moral agents and to have responsibility because in order to truly be devoted 
to, the, to God, all, to, all, in order to completely express our love to him, it must not be something forced on us. It must be something that we choose. I dare say if someone's forced to love you, it's not a real love. So God created us where we had that freedom, that wonderful freedom, freedom that sometimes we abuse, misuse. But you understand that in that sense, he said, here's what I'll do. Here's what I've already done for you. Ask and you'll receive it. Believe and confess it and it's yours. Ephesians 3.20. One of my favorite verses in, in the New Testament says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above everything we could ask or think or imagine. So if you can get to where you can think big thoughts and think like God tells you to think. It says he can do more than that. Take the limits of doubt and fear out of your life. Stop putting God in a box and saying he can do this, but he cannot do that. Get to a place, and it may not just happen just like that, but as you dwell on the word and you let faith grow inside of you, you'll get to the place where you see that God wants to do mighty things in your life, fulfill purposes and destiny in your life. He wants to transform your life, transform your family, and he'll do that if you'll take the limits off of him. When Jesus was in Nazareth and he wanted to heal the people that came to him, the hometown people said, oh, we know him. We saw him grow up and they began to doubt his ability to do that. They began to think, oh, that's Jesus. I remember watching him grow up. That's just Jesus. And because of their doubt that was there, the Bible says that he was not able to do very many mighty works because of their unbelief. What is that but limiting God? How did they limit God? Unbelief. We limit God when we fail to receive all that he has for us. Now, he doesn't get mad at us. You know, if I'm a father and I'm raising my children and I've promised them so much and it's available to them, but they, they just never take time to ask, never take time to receive, they really don't believe that I want to bless them that way. It's disappointing and it's hurtful, but it doesn't make me mad at them. I just want them to understand you can have so much more if you'll believe it and receive it. You and I as individuals and this church as a body of believers, we want to develop a kingdom mindset to where we really believe that nothing is impossible with God. We want to develop a kingdom mindset to where we expect the miraculous. We want to develop a kingdom mindset that's grounded in faith that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. I kind of get the picture of Jesus. You know, I don't, I got to thinking about Jesus and when he would do a miracle. You know, I don't think Jesus was really focusing on the miracle. I think he was just following the father and doing what he said to do. 
I don't think it was like he performed a miracle and he was amazed. It didn't amaze Jesus. Why, did, why didn't a miracle amaze Jesus? He wasn't amazed. Why should he be amazed by it? Because he knew the power of God. I'm not saying that when he did miracles it was a matter of fact thing, but I'm just saying it doesn't appear that his focus on, well, now I'm going to do miracles today. Everybody get in line. Miracles just happened where he was. Because why? You know why? Of course you do. Because the kingdom of God was being, was, was being fleshed out. The kingdom of God was being demonstrated wherever he went. So wherever he went, there was healing. Wherever he went, people were blessed. Wherever he went, people experienced his love. Wherever he went, because that's where the kingdom of God went. It changed them. It, would it be possible that that could happen in people's lives today? that you and I could live out that kind of life. And the kingdom life to where we unconditionally and wholeheartedly love one another, forgive one another, have a heart for the lost, those who need Christ, driven by that thought that there are those who still need to come to Christ and become a part of this kingdom. Let's don't limit God. I want to encourage you. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what you're facing. I just know that God's faithful and I believe you know that too. Take the limits off of him and let him do what he wants to do. Learn to get it down inside of you and think like a kingdom person. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, get this down inside of us. Lord, God, Get this down inside of us. Do it in us. Well, let's stand. Let's stand. Praise God together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope you've been encouraged today, and I hope you've been, <clears throat> I hope you've been stirred up a little bit. And I hope you've been challenged. And I just kind of, kind of, you know, I'm just haven't gone that deep, just kind of been surfaced with this kind of stuff. You can go so much further in this and understanding the principles of living out kingdom life here as a born-again child of God. Amen.